Apple presents events at the Apple Store. I'm Torre from MSNBC. Thank you for joining us. So we all know the power of music to sort of make everybody just sort of like just feel excited and energized and um, this incredible movie Alive Inside really gives you that sense. Um, but they take it to a whole other level. And you think about these, you know, our grandparents who are 80, 90 some years old and they're losing their mind because of Alzheimer's and they're losing their, their spirit almost. And then they give them music, their music, the songs that they loved from their youth and they wake up again, and it's amazing to see throughout this film um, what they're doing. Because they talk about that the last part of the brain that Alzheimer's takes from you is the part where the musical memories are imprinted. So people who can't seem to remember who their wife or husband was, and you play their favorite song from 1955, and they wake up. Let's watch a little trailer from Alive Inside. What do you think of music? My heart belongs to music. I, I love it. Have you ever had music just hit you in a place that immediately brought you to tears? Music has that power. Music connects people with who they have been, who they are, and their lives. Because what happens when you get old is all the things you're familiar with and your identity are all just being peeled away. The healthcare system imagines the human to be a very complicated machine. We have medicines that can adjust the dials. Blood pressure, oh, turn that down. Blood sugar, oh, turn that down. We haven't done anything to touch the heart and soul of a patient. One resident that barely opened her eyes, she didn't respond. Knew her for two years. Once we put the iPod on her, she started shaking her feet. She started moving her head. It was amazing. Music has more ability to activate more parts of the brain than any other stimulus. Who am I? Huh? Who am I? I'm your daughter. By exciting or awakening those pathways, we have a gateway to stimulate and reach somebody who otherwise is unreachable. <laughs> it can't get away from me if I'm in this place. It takes me back to my school days. Oh, God, that's... That's beautiful. Does it make you happy to sing for us? Yeah. I'm crying. Every human being needs stimulation from the outside, from little babies to old people. American culture is wrong. There is actually life beyond adulthood. There's the opportunity to live and grow and become elders. The aging that we experience holds in it very important learnings and lessons. There is no pill that does that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Okay, so there's a, a tears of joy. Yeah. I thought you were going to grow wings. I was trying. <laughs> As you can see, there's lots of moments of joy and inspiration um, in this film. There's a lot of joy in this film. Let's bring out uh, the star of the film, Dan Cohen, and the director of the film, Michael Rosado Bennett, to talk about it. Dan and Michael, come out. 
Welcome, guys. Michael, um, you made this film. What started you on this journey? Um, what started me on this journey was um, the beautiful reaction of, of one 94-year-old man to music. And um, You're talking about Henry? Henry, yeah. Henry, I, I, this was just a little job that I was doing to help Dan out for a foundation that wanted to you know, push his message out there. And, um, but when I felt Henry, I mean, how many people here have seen the clip of Henry online? One, two, okay, three, four, five, see, oh, way back there, people have seen it. Um, you, you know, Henry was a six minute clip of, of video of, of, a, of an old man in a nursing home with dementia, and it went viral worldwide on the internet, six minutes long, you know, which is probably, you know, the longest clip to ever go viral on the internet. And, um, but but what, what happened to me was, was when I sat in front of this man who had been literally kind of like this for, you know, for like years, sitting in his wheelchair on the, on the, on the side of the hall. And when we gave him uh, his music, the music from his youth when he was a, a young, young man, Cab Calloway, which is really amazing music, actually. Um, it just woke his soul up, literally. He, he came, it was, like, it was like you shocked somebody or something. It was, it, something happened to him, and, and I felt it. And I felt it like all those people who saw Henry online felt it, you know? And um, it was that feeling, that, that, that feeling of, 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 of sensing another human come alive that was so profound that I just knew, literally in that moment, that I would do whatever it took to make a, a, a large film about this moment. The moment of, you know, a human being who was gone, who had been discarded and forgotten, and yet, if you could touch his deepest, deepest parts, that there was m life in there, and that there was more life than anyone had ever anticipated. Certainly, I mean, he, he, he's a poet, he's a, he's a singer, and I thought, and everybody else thought he was gone, so. Should we show him the clip of, of sure. Henry? Show, uh, yeah. Let's show him Pedro. How long has he been in the nursing home? Uh, approximately 10 years. Of course it affected me greatly because he was always, you know, fun-loving, singing, you know, every occasion he would come out with a song. I remember as a child, he used to walk us down the street, me and my brother, and he would stop and do singing in the rain. He would have us jumping and swinging around poles. He was, you know, he was good. He was always into music, you know, always loved singing, dancing. You want, you want your music now? Okay, let's, let's try your music, okay? And then you tell me if it's too loud or not, okay? Use it. It's not just a physiological stimulus. It, 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 if it works at all, it will call the whole person. I hear it. Do you hear it? Yeah. I, I would sing with this. You can if you like. When I first met him, 
he was very isolated, and he used to always sit on the unit with his head like this. He didn't really talk to much people, and then when I introduced the music to him, this is his reaction ever since. <laughs> Henry waking up did something to all of us. Everyone in the room felt it. The film is filled with moments like that. Dan, what, what happened to Henry there? Well, when you have uh, advanced dementia, as Henry does, um, you, know, you no longer can recognize your family, as Henry couldn't recognize his daughter. Remember how many children he had. Uh, you lack the ability to communicate. Um, but when you hear music that is uh, from your youth, that's familiar, that has meaning, um, somehow your short-term memory is uh, stopped or, sh or, or greatly degraded, uh, but your long-term memory is still very much intact, and your emotional system is intact, uh, and so you're really, it's a back door to your emotional system, so when you play this music, it's just plugging right in as if everything was fine, and Henry, you know, in many ways looked fine, because he was reacting the way we all react to music, so when all of us are older, and should we have this disease at some point, we're going to react very much the way we do now, even though we won't be able to recognize or remember from a few minutes ago. Why is it that musical memories are so strong and endurable? Well, with our, our other senses like uh, sight and, and uh, smell, um, music, I'm sorry, these senses are located in one small part of the brain. Uh, but music really lights up the brain when you see uh, scanned images of the brain. Um, and so uh, it's deeply embedded. Music is deeply embedded in our, in our neural networks, our, our remembrances from when we were young and uh, growing up and coming of age. Uh, sort of the songs get tied with our experiences. So when we hear a song from back then, it's, it's in the brain, they're co-located with these autobiographical memories. So for someone with dementia, if they have five songs that they recognize from the youth, that'll kick off five memories. And if you have 100 songs that are familiar from the youth, it'll kick off 100 memories. And what will that mean in terms of plasticity of the brain and, and really kicking somebody into gear and feeling alive and feeling good about themselves as opposed to no stimulation and people aren't, you know, you could say to someone with dementia, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm your daughter. That's not going to do it. It's just you've lost that ability to connect that way. But, but with music, um, you can facilitate and bring that back. Oh, Michael, it Some, was... Not, not all the time. Certainly. Not all the time, yeah. but a lot of the time. Michael, you know, it was... It was both inspiring to see these transformations, but it was also very sad the way that you know we're going into these these uh, nursing homes, and you talk about there's there's this industry created, and we just have this general sense that we are at our best in adulthood, and then when we get to elderhood, um, we are just lesser versions of ourselves, and sort of warehousing them, the older elders among us uh, in this sort of industry in these homes, it's it's. It's, it's just very sad. I mean, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about, um, that that's really kind of reminds me of what I wanted to say when I thought if I were going to talk to the, the Apple audience, you know, what, what would I say, you know? And 
when I, when I went into these nursing homes for the first time, um, it was a terrible experience for me. You know, I don't know how many of you have gone into nursing homes. You know, one, <laughs> two, three, four, okay, five, oh, great. Well, I think people will agree, you know, it, you almost have to steal yourself because there are sights and sounds and, and there's human suffering that is really, I mean, it's really like a lot of times, it's like walking into one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, today I just walked into a nursing home and it was literally like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You know, it was just all of these people like lost their, their minds and their, their bodies. And, and, and it's so far from the lives that they lived when they were who they, 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 they feel inside that, that they were or they are. And I just wanted to talk about, so, you know, we, I, I, we made a clip, okay? And that clip went online and it went viral worldwide. And what that did was literally change almost overnight, like the lives of thousands and thousands of elders because just seeing that clip, um, you know, I don't know how many nursing homes contacted Dan, but it's, it's a lot. And, you know, it totally transformed. It, it woke people up. And, and, and I made this film, you know, using the, the, the technology that these companies have made possible, you know? And it was very, it was not that expensive. And, you know, like Dan and I and this film, and we are literally changing the world for I mean, our dream is to change the world for a couple million people. You know, we've already probably changed, I don't know, 100,000 or is that a, do you have any number? We have no idea how many, but a, a lot of people more than we started. And if I could inspire, I, I was expecting to see like some filmmakers in the audience. Is there anybody with an ambition of filmmaking in the audience? No, one, one, good, two, great. Three. Three, four. I just wanted to say, I wanted to inspire people and say that, you know, the model of I'm going to make a film and be Steven Spielberg and become world famous, um, you know, I tried that and I actually failed miserably at that, you know. But when I said, okay, forget it, I don't care, I'm never going to, um, you know, be a famous filmmaker, I'm just going to try and do the most good that I could do for other human beings, that is the I think that's the new model for filmmaking in this world because if you can serve lots and lots of people, you know, we used to, filmmakers used to serve people by, by giving dreams to a lot of people who had no dreams, you know? But now I think the, the, the function of the filmmaker has shifted slightly. And I just wanted to encourage anyone out there with an insight or a feeling, moved by a feeling, to trust those feelings and, and, and try and serve the world with your craft, if that craft is filmmaking or music or whatever. I just wanted to give a plug for that way of approaching creative acts. I, I, I hope I didn't go no, off of the No, subject. absolutely, absolutely, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, before you got, Dan, before you guys started actually changing the world, uh, Michael was filming you going around and having little to no success, getting people to understand the value of this therapy. And one of the amazing moments in the film, you talk about um, that, that it's very easy to get people to write a $1,000 prescription 
for drugs, but getting people to uh, invest in an iPod for a patient is very, very difficult because that goes completely outside of the whole system. And then, of course, that doesn't interact with the industry, the drug industry, which is tied in with the, you know, the, the late in life care industry. Why is it so hard to get people to give music to people? Well, I think we've just become a very medicalized society. So everything has, the solution is in the pill. Um, and, uh, and we're just used to that. So it's not just big pharma. Nobody's stopping us from doing this. If all the families said we wanted to stop using these antipsychotic drugs, which are very harmful for people with Alzheimer's disease, um, then, then they would. So families just need to speak up. Um, there are many, um, there's a movement in the nursing home industry and elsewhere to reduce the use of these, these drugs, um, but they are overused. Um, and, but doctors feel they don't want to pull people off of these drugs because if they pull them off of these drugs, their behaviors, which is the reason they wanted to calm them down, they got too agitated, uh, the behaviors will come back, they'll hurt themselves or hurt someone else. But we're very successful in substituting the music for the drug. Okay, so that's the power of this. You know, you want to give them the drug, which is $400 a month for the rest of their life, or you want to, which is just dulls them and takes away whatever character and personhood they have, or do you want to give them music so that it just rocks their world with their, old, their favorite music, and they don't need the drugs anymore because they're calm, they're happier, they're in touch with themselves, they're more social. You know, you tend to reminisce. You're, you're, you're re-energized as opposed to like this. When you're in a nursing home, half the people in nursing homes never, ever get a visitor. And time and motion studies in New York City nursing homes show that 90% of, on average, of a resident's time is spent, or 90% of the residents spend their time idle. Um, and so that's a bad combination. You know, if you're in a nursing home, nobody's visiting you and you're doing nothing, right? So even if your physical status is stable, you're, you're you know, kind of why, why go on kind of thing. So we're trying to change that. And there are many people in nursing homes. Nursing homes have a lot of good people, but we don't fund music. We don't fund iPods. If it's an expensive drug, there's no limit to what, will, what is available. So we have to change our rules a little bit and just tweak it just a little bit, say, hey, if this is better than the drugs, and in fact, the guy who invented one of the main drugs for Alzheimer's said, gee, if I invented a pill that got the reaction that you're getting with the music, it would quickly be a multi-billion dollar blockbuster, and every doctor would be prescribing it, and every family would want it. But because it doesn't fit that mold, it's not happening. So it's become a word of mouth. So now we have 640 nursing homes and assisted living facilities and hospices and hospitals in 45 states and eight countries using this approach very successfully. And it, it's about, we were talking about this before, it's about music plus memory. So if we play for these folks um, some great, you know, energizing music that they never heard before, that will not have the impact as the music that gets at the memory. You know, if I played new music, you know, it's like going to a concert for people that have let's, been around a long time and they see their old favorite group, you know, do they want to see mu new music? They want, to, they want to hear the old stuff. And that's why all these bands that are older, like me, they're playing their old stuff because that's what the fans want. So, you know, we want to give people what they want, really. Um, Michael, did you find that certain types of music tend to work better? The, you know, is the Beatles working better than hip-hop or gospel or what have you, or classical? Or there's certain sort of music that, that embeds to the memory a little bit stronger? Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is the way music goes into our brains in the first place. It goes into our... Um, like 
there is no music place in the brain. You, I think Dan already said that, right? There, you know, there's, uh, your eyes have a place in the brain, your, your ears have a place in the brain, but there is no music part of the brain. Um, we've basically cobbled out of all of the parts of the brain our ability to hear music. Okay, and that's why music lights up the brain more than any other human stimulus. This is a really profound concept. And when you're young and your 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 brain is going through such incredible transformations, like in in late in teen in teen teenager years and late teenager years, the brain is actually making as many connections as during infancy. Like that's kind of counterintuitive, but it's absolutely true. And and the music that comes into you in that time. You usually you're defining who you are and what you are, and you're, you're going through a tumultuous experience of, of changing from being a, a child to being a, a, some sort of an individual. And the music, I mean, I, I'm sure, like if I ask any of you guys, like what's, you know, close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes, go back to being 15 years old, and imagine yourself listening to a piece of music that meant a lot to you. Okay, just try it for a second. Um, and imagine yourself doing that. And you can probably hear that song. And you can probably see where you were. And you can probably, basically, if, um, did, did everybody experience that? It shifts you into a different part of your being. Not the cognitive side of your head. Not the logic side of your head. But it, it's, 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 it's actually the part of your being that it's the same part of your being that remains when you lose all of your memory from dementia. It's your, it's your non-cognitive, it's your, it's your motion system, it's your emotional system. And, 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 this, and this, this old music lives deep in that system. And, and that's why when you hear a song, or like just like right now, like you guys haven't, you went back into your memories and you didn't just hear a song. I, I guarantee for each and every one of you that did this, you didn't just hear a song. The whole thing came back to you, right? You saw, you saw where you were. You know, when I listen to Bach's Toccata and Fugue in G, I'm back in my living room. I'm 15 years old. My girlfriend is there, and I kiss her for the first time. And I can tell you what color the rug is. I can tell you, you know, the bricks on the wall that my dad decided were cool if he painted one orange, one white, one orange, one white. It looked terrible. <laughs> but anyway, that's how profound this deep music is and why it's so powerful with these people with, who, with, with dementia, that they have the same capacity. And it, it took me a year of filming before I understood what Dan, I guess, understood when we were starting, but just how much remains and what remains in these people. And you know, I just want to say one last thing, like, like just as there's more in them than we think, there's more in us than we think. You know, and we can, I, for, I learned from these people with dementia how to listen to music. You know, like if you see this film, you will, you'll go home and you'll be like, whoa, I have never listened to music really. And you'll try and listen to music like these people did with your, with your whole heart, with your whole memory, with every part of your being. And it's a, it is, there's, I learned something from people who I thought had nothing to teach me. And, and so it was a valuable experience. That's an amazing journey as a filmmaker to yeah. learn like that as you're doing the piece. Yeah, it was. Um, it is. Uh, Dan, this journey that Michael's talking about begins before birth, right? And the film talks about 
When you're about six months old, you, I mean, I, I know I have two kids. I know you can hear before you're, before you're six months pregnant, but uh, that you really are hearing the mother and trying to almost sing along with her. Is that, is that how it begins? Well, this is a part of the movie that Michael sort of crafted, so I'll, I'll let Michael answer that. I, I mean, it's kind of one of uh, my deep theses, you know, that, that um, it's really phenomenal. I mean, the, the, human, the human brain at around six months is capable of thought, okay? And what is it doing? It's got its head against its mother's heart, you know? It's like listening to a drum, boom. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, and it's hearing her voice, you know, coming in through through the amniotic sac, through the fluid, right? So check this out: when babies are born, they cry, right? Everybody knows that, right? Babies cry. Well, those tears are in—I mean, those those cries are in the exact same um, cadence and basically melodic structure as the mother's voice. Okay, so what this means is that inside. The womb, when we're fetuses, we're actually learning how to basically sing. We're learning rhythm, we're learning melody, we're learning structure, and, and it's, it's our first learning. And, and that is, so music is our first education. And it's, it's the one that keeps us going throughout our entire life. Like, the heartbeat, you know, is music. Like, you know, that's what I figured out from this, making this film. The heartbeat is music, that's all music is. It's, it's faith. It's boom, boom, boom. You know, there's always going to be another, there's always going to be another beat. And so for me, music is the proto-religion. It is all religion. It's faith. It's, 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 it's your connection to the infinite, to before you were even born, before you came out, you were listening to a drum. You were laying on a drum, you know, and... So it should be no surprise how powerful music is, you know, to us. And I'm sorry, I'm ranting. No, not at all. I, you remind me, I saw the uh, James Brown movie Get On Up last night, before, right before I saw your movie. And there's this one moment where they're having this rehearsal and the guys in the band are not quite getting what James is trying to get him to. And, but they've heard this before, so he points to the drum and he says, what's that? And they're like, that's a drum. And he points to the horns and what's that? That's a drum. And he points to the... <laughs> You know, the guitar, what's that? That's a drum. And like everything to James was a drum, which is why, you know, it had that rhythmic uh, impact and why he's able to impact us because he understands everything's a drum and the polyrhythms is, and, and is everything. And why you can't escape that dude. When he comes and he gets on stage and he's alive and he makes that music, you can't escape him. You know, and that's what we found in this film. Like when these elders, they, they don't have like the ability to lie. They have no guile left. And when they experience music, it is so pure that you cannot, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, even after years of working on this film, when I see these people and their reaction to music, it hits me in a way that is pre-verbal. It's, it, it's, it's, it's in a different part of my being. And I, I, don't, I don't know if you can say that, right? When, when you see some of those people and their reactions, you can't defend against it. It just comes into you like James Brown. Yeah. Because James Brown is a master of the heartbeat of life. You know? That's and anyway, so 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 are some of these people. No, absolutely. Dan, I mean, you know, part of what he's talking about is something they say in the film. Uh, music is as quintessentially human as language, right? And that 
distinguishes us on the on the globe. Yes. <laughs> Is there a question? <laughs> I mean, no, there's no question. I mean, like, you know, I think we have known that. I mean, you know, we hear birds sing to each other, but nobody else really makes music, right? I mean, only, right? I mean, is there are there's any other species that makes music in the way that we make well, music? I, I don't know about in the way, but there's just so much, you know, there's so many species out there and we're learning stuff all the time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, you know, throw a blanket. Nobody does. But I mean, like, you know, we create songs and, you know, like, here's a three minute song. And like, you know, I could start singing, you know, happy birthday or love me do. And everybody would know that. And you could go on any continent and, and transport that just the same way we could transport, you know, the story of David and Goliath or what have you. And um, I mean, that's part of what makes us, right, along with the ability to, to communicate through language. So what I'm trying to do, I mean, is to take that, uh, that uh, oh, spark in people that, that with new music, um, new song is global, Spanish song, let's say, it goes globally. Um, and I'm sort of going to divert for everybody for a minute. But right now, you have, for instance, 21 countries where Spanish is a native language. Um, so, so even though m music is common through all, I'm sort of taking it down to sort of the actual um, um, usage, sort of translational uh, intervention. Um, and we need to find not the music that's just popular sort of uh, today because of communication that's never happened before, even though it's sort of built in our DNA as well. Um, but uh, if somebody's 80 year old, uh, has been, came to the United States 80 years ago, um, and they are of Spanish origin, but they, or they speak Spanish, uh, but their Spanish might have been from Spain or Puerto Rico or Ecuador or, you know, anyone. It's going to, the music from their time that's going to be personally familiar to them is going to be different. Um, and so our challenge, you know, music and memory as my goal and sort of making this happen for, for all these people who are um, sitting now in, in nursing homes and assisted living facilities and hospitals and such is to, is to not go for sort of that, yes, it's general, but we have to really break it down to the specific for them. And that's the challenge. What's your goal? My goal is a standard of care. My goal is that everybody here um, sets up a playlist for their, everybody in their families who is moving on in years. So um, as soon as something starts to happen, it, look, it could be a heart attack. My father-in-law had a heart attack. He was fine. He was living at home. I already had him set up with his iPod and headphones and a speaker. Uh, but then he went to assist living and nursing home and hospital. He bounced nine different places across you know, a certain few years. Uh, but he always had his music. And that transformed the the uh, feeling in the room, the nurses loved coming in, he loved Motown, so they were, they were always like happy to come in, they were dancing in and out of there, and it transformed the visit. So the visit was no longer, even when he was dying in hospice, it was no longer sitting around, oh, it's nothing we could do, he's dying. We actually, we turned on the music, and we uh, listened to his music, and we had a family sitting around the bed, tried to guess his, the names of the songs. So he really, sort of that helped him, and it helped us, so it's very th therapeutic for the family. Um, and so that iPod then becomes prized even when a loved one passes away um, because it has their music and you can, you can sort of um, re remember them when they do pass that way. I fear for what will happen to uh, people who are young now when they become elders and they have to listen to Britney Spears when they are older to have those memories sparked, but you know. Um, let's get you guys involved in the conversation. Questions from you guys, sir. 
here comes the mic. Okay. Uh, will it be a difference? You mentioned the interactions, like if they're wearing headphones to, let's say, like a uh, speaker and open, like how's so the interaction then? Like it's because it's not so personal, like when you're hearing with your headphones, like when you're sharing with other people, is, is there a difference? So another characteristic of Alzheimer's disease is that these folks have uh, a, a, a compromised ability to uh, filter out various audio streams. So if, there's, if they're in a nursing home, there's TV going, noise in the hall, um, whatever, they're not, and there's music playing on a speaker, they're not going to be able to just listen to that music. So the Alzheimer's Association folks loves us to put the headphones on so it's direct input right into the emotional system. And it may be the first clarity of sound someone's hearing in many months. Um. This, this here is like literally watching my family and my life. I lost my grandfather to dementia at 94. And, you know, he came down with it around like the ending of like 89, 90. Um, and when we used to visit him in a nursing home, my grandfather loved, he's from Alabama, so he loved gospel. Getting like playing those songs, he would hum along, he would sing, and he would. It took him back to a little boy. He literally began asking for his mom and asking for his brothers, but without it, he was literally like just there. And it, it's an amazing sight when it's 101. And to see this here, keep the movement going, guys. What you're doing, you're literally on the right path. It literally wakes them up and or it puts them in a happy place. Whatever suffering they're going through. You, you don't know, because they just seem so, it, it wakes up the happy part with them. Michael, it's amazing yeah. that um, certain people are having this experience on their own, apart from, you know, interacting with Dan. And how many uh, older folks did you film having this sort of en energizing experience with Dan's music? Um, I don't know. I guess we, like hundreds even. Um, today, I, w I was in a, a nursing home, and I... Uh, I, I, we just sort of randomly, I just, we randomly gave music to, we just were filming a woman who was with her music and just sort of randomly, like we didn't know if this woman, how the reaction was. And like the, the room, we were in this room and if you've ever been, it's like a prison, it's like a, a it's kind of like a, a, like a public school, you know, the walls are all uh, like, like, like tiled and it's very echoey and kind of cold in a way, and, and, and everyone's in these like beds. We were, we were at HHC, which, is, which takes the patients that no one else will take care of. It's an amazing place in New York City. Uh, you, you, know, you can be so proud of your city that this place exists. Like they take care of the people that no one else will take care of. And so here was this woman who, and no one knows who she is. She has no family. Um, not, nothing at all, and, and through trial and error, they found her music, and they, they put it on her, and she was in the other room, and, and she, we were in this room, and it was very quiet and kind of cold, and it just, it just didn't feel good, right? And then this old woman listening to her music comes walking in the room. We can't hear what she's hearing, right? But she's just like... And all of a sudden, swear to God, like, like, I don't know, maybe if I do that, you could feel it. You know, like literally the room changed because this woman walked into it grooving to her, whoever the hell she, whoever the heck okay. she is, you know, she was in it. And that is, it's, it literally changed the, the quality of the, of the entire experience of being in that room. 
And that's what you're talking about, like your dad. And, and I just want to say something that I kind of experienced in the filming, and I know Dan has experienced this many times. Um, like, like maybe your father, first of all, it's a tremendous, what? Her, her your grandfather. It's a tremendous pain when somebody you love does not know who you are. It's a, you know, it is a, it messes with your mind because, you know, our whole lives, these people know who we are and then all of a sudden they don't. And it's like literally the world starts spinning for you. I'm, I'm, I don't know if that happened for you, but it happened for me. Anyway, but like when people are in that state, even if your, your grandfather didn't recognize you specifically, he was in that place where he was inside of himself, and then when you come next to him, you start grooving with him, and you're together, right? It's like you may not have a conversation, but on a different human level, you are connected. And the pain in these places is a massive disconnection. You know, the cold hallways are hallways of disconnection, but you take, you bring life back in with music, and it literally changes the entire place. So, you know, it, it, it's like we're changing the mind of the institution in a very subtle way, but it's also very deep. And, um, you know, our film is a documentary. People don't come out to see documentaries very much. Um, you know, we're opening very soon. You will have an experience. You will be moved. Just like I've described what, what's happened when we give music to these people. It's an inescapable experience, this sort of going from, from close. I, I kind of feel guilty like I plugged something right there. You know, but, uh, it's an amazing experience seeing the film. It's more you. than just a, you know, a normal movie. So, thank you, thank you. Um, who else wants to get involved in the conversation? Raise your hand. Hi, um, I want to thank you all for this presentation today. I just, I happened upon it, and so I, I don't know if we have time, but uh, uh, because I didn't get to research in advance, that I wanted to know more of the story. And so, uh, um, so here, so I'll ask a few questions, and if we have time to answer them, hopefully we will. Uh, Dan, uh, so beforehand, are, are you uh, a scientist, and were you researching this years in advance, and then uh, was this already a program that was, um, you know, happening and then did you get together with Michael to film you know or were you already a filmmaker and uh, and then is there a foundation can all of us contribute after so, um, so on and so on I'll, I'll, I'll start with the last part first so music and memory is a nonprofit organization music memory.org so people can yes they can donate iPods they could donate money used iPods uh, cash we can buy more iPods um, they can volunteer to help. They can help set up playlists for people. They can help investigate to discover what somebody's playlist is. Um, and they can spend time with people in a nursing home. And we have uh, many people across the country doing that. So no, I, I'm not a researcher. Um, I'm a social worker by training. I spent most of my life actually in technology companies. Um, and uh, in 2006, I just heard on the radio, uh, gee, the journalists talking about how iPods were ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And I, I thought, gee, you know, well, the kids have them, a lot of adults, but in a nursing home. Um, and if I'm ever in a nursing home, would I have access to my favorite 60s music? Um, and so I Googled iPods and nursing homes. And even though there are 16,000 nursing homes in the United States, I couldn't find one that was using iPods. 
So I went to a local facility on Long Island where I live, and I said, I know music's already a number one activity. You already have live music. You have people going around singing. But can we see if there's any added value if we were to totally personalize the music? Uh, so I came in, and they said yes. I came in with my laptop and some uh, iPods, and it was just really an instant hit. But when I tell people, uh, my friends and such, about, gee, this is uh, amazing. You should see what's happening uh, in the nursing home. People who have been sort of separated from their music for years, sometimes many years, and the response uh, to the music when they get reconnected with it, uh, they'd say, oh, how nice, Dan, you're bringing the old people music. I go, no, 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 you, you don't get it. What I'm seeing is really significant. And I said, I have to really get this captured on film, at least a couple of minutes, so people can see it. Because everybody's kind of, we're all our own experts on music, right, our whole lives. So to have a different perception of music is kind of um, hard to make happen. So the foundation that supported me after a while allowed me to roll out uh, the iPods to more folks. Uh, I said, gee, do you know somebody who's a, a filmmaker? And they said, yes, we have a filmmaker we've used. And that was Michael. And that's how we met. How, um, how has filming this or working on this experience changed how you go about life, whether that be with music or filmmaking or interacting with others? I, I, I mean, it, it changed my life. It did change my life because, you know, um, they say storytellers only tell one story. They tell it over and over again. You know, they make 100 films, but every film is basically the same film or every novel is really the same novel. People seem to have a story. And the story of my life is a story of a person who um, was kind of had a little traumatic time when he was very young and he closed down completely. And then he spent years trying to awaken the life inside of him, you know? And so then when I saw a human being who was closed down in a moment waking up, and I said, wow, if we do this, we could wake a, a lot of people, to me that, tied into the story that I, um, you know, th that is my life. And so to have the opportunity to actually, like, do something, to, to tell, you know, to, to, you know, there's so many problems facing the world, right? Like global warming, like, what can we really do? You, you, you know, you see the inconvenient truth, and, and, and we're like, you know, okay, we'll change a light bulb or recycle something. Is that really going to do something? No. But this is an enormous problem, and one that's about to double in the next 10, 15 years, in this country alone. And there is something we can do. This is, you know, this is the, the, the only, I think, the only good news about Alzheimer's that's been done in a while. And so uh, I, I think that's a, that, that just the chance to, to serve other people in an, in an actual way has changed my life. Yeah, there's this amazing uh, moment in the film, um, intellectually and visually, when you talk about the shape of uh, the demographics, the age demographics of America. And it used to be a pyramid with the largest number of folks being younger and the smallest number of folks being older. And then it becomes more of a square and over time, as the boomers get older, it will become an inverted period. Well, that, that, that inversion period. won't happen until 2050. Right. The, you know, right. The boomers are the column where there's sort of a one-to-one -one relationship between young and, and old. Or, or is, that, is that right, or is it, does the boomers... Oh, there's more boomers than Xers, so it's, it's, I mean, if the boomers are the top, it's gotta be, Okay. right? Yeah, I have to research. But you get kids stacking up like Jenga to, to show you, like, you know, the, the distribution of the age demographics. So it's, it's really interesting when they try to do the, the boomers at the top, then it falls, of course. 
you know. Have you written down the songs that you want to be on your iPod one day? I'm I haven't written them down. I, I have them, so I just take my iPod and send it with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's no joke. We should all have it, and they should just follow us. I mean, that's you know, you don't you know. There are many people in nursing homes that don't have Alzheimer's. You have an accident. You have a stroke. You know, boom, you're there. Um, and so you know, you want to have the stuff kind of ready to go. Dan, it is noble and valuable and important and life-changing work. Thank you for your work, Michael. It is an extraordinary, inspiring, joyful film. Thank you for your film. And thank you guys for spending uh, some of your early evening with us. Thank you. Great. I'll be around if anybody has any questions.